Remember, folks, we don't control what happens. We control how we respond. Ryan Holiday. Everyone and welcome back to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host Marvin B, coming at you live from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the Sunshine State, where it is 85 degrees and clear, with a real feel of 91. No rain in the next four hours, although there may be rain coming a little bit later this weekend. As my nephew, I'm sorry, not my nephew, my stepson. And his wife come in for a nice, I don't know, 10-day unapproved visit. But uh, we shall have a great time with family and friends. Thank you all for joining in the show. Podnuts Pro is your podcast for business IT support. And our goal each week is to help share stories, products, and tips, all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We are Hoping to do that again tonight, my guest, Tom Alexander with Uplevel Systems. That has been a fantastic product for a lot of people in the in the channel and definitely in this new normal. I know you hate hearing that word, but as we deal with people finally coming back to work, some not going back to work, some going part-time, what we are calling now the hybrid workplace They have a product that I think is going to be fantastic for some of you to try and use for your clients. So Tom will be joining me in just a moment. I do want to let you know that Potnuts Pro is presented by NetAlly, basically the handheld testers that make life so easy with being able to diagnose problems. If you're using a wired solution in sometimes as little as 10 seconds and with their Wi-Fi solutions, you can Develop, design, deliver and optimize Wi-Fi networks and all those great things. I do want to say a special thank you to Chris Flushi, who made a recommendation for my services using those NetAlly products to a, another technician in a Facebook group that I was not a part of called Low Voltage Nation, I believe. And that person needs to verify a network cable connection. And I believe the cable is called a game changer cable and they have continuity. They can see the lights flashing, but they can't uh, get the speeds that they're supposed to get. So the game changer people told them that they have to use a specific qualified product. One of the net ally products, the one touch is on that list. I have that. So I will be visiting with this gentleman Friday morning and seeing if we can't help him with his cable testing. So thank you, Chris Flushi, for recommending me. I appreciate everything that the listeners have done. You have done so much, and I appreciate it. If you want to do more appreciation, head over to podnutspro.com. There on the website, you can find past episodes, find some that are of interest to you, things that will help you in your business. There's a place to donate. There's a place to shop on Amazon, which will help the show. All those good things. So podnutspro.com. All right, finished with that here. So why don't I go ahead and bring on Mr. Alexander. So Tom sitting in the green room patiently, and there he is. Tom, how are you? Fine, Marvin. And yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Could you send some of that sunshine our way? It's uh, raining in Oregon here. I could, but I like enjoying it myself. (laughs) Oh, selfish, selfish. Yes, yes. Um, So we were talking a little bit earlier, and rain is good for you this time of year as opposed to last year. Oh, yes, this is true. I can't complain. Rain is better than fire any day in in my life. Yep, and I had to apologize because I do not remember those news stories of fires. And I don't know, was there fires all up and down the West Coast? 
Yes, all okay. the way from Canada down to nearly, I mean, not Orange County, as a matter of fact. It was almost like the West Coast was, was actually literally in fire. Wow. Well, sorry to hear that. Glad you are okay. And, of course, your 20 horses. <laughs> yes. and uh, I'm desperately trying to reduce, but my wife won't let me. <laughs> okay. We can't talk about what the wives will or will not let us do. So. <laughs> True. All right. So many of you, when you saw the name Uplevel Systems, you probably thought I was going to have Robin Libesay on, but she is uh, not with the company anymore. However, Tom is more than capable. Uh, Tom, what is your exact title there at Uplevel? Um, CEO and Chief Cook and Bottle Washer. Okay. All if right. If there's anything that needs done, it's Tom. All right. So you know the product inside and out, and we've got some some great developments that have happened uh, in your product. So we're going to be sharing those a little bit later and talking about this quote-unquote new normal. Excellent. Thank you. All right. So why don't we, before we get started with that, let us get into the news. And some of you saw this lovely picture that I had up, and that will be... (laughs) Our main story tonight as we go in the news. So the world suffered a near mutiny on Monday as there was a massive Facebook outage that lasted for seven hours. The world was aghast and people could not function. It was quite interesting because business productivity was way up. But of course, social media activity was way down. And of course, who none other to mention that than good old Twitter with this post of who's in charge. And for those of you keeping real good track of the the timeline, the Facebook outage, I believe, was uh, noticed at 1139 And at 11.47 or so, this post went up. So Twitter had this locked and loaded. And uh, Twitter had such a good day with this. And I won't go to a little bit, but I will talk about Mark Zuckerberg, who was blasted for his self-aggrandizing apology, as many welcomed the much-needed break. His apology was ridiculed Monday night with some angered and others mocking him for taking users for granted and yet more saying they actually enjoy the break. Zuckerberg saw his fortune decrease by $7 billion as a result of the technical collapse, which was the result of an internal technical problem rather than hackers. And it's very interesting because they said that the problem was really worse because the tools that they used to fix it were on the same servers that they used to run Facebook. So everything from digital engineering tools to messaging service, even key fob door locks were also taken offline. So uh, that was quite interesting, but it was just another in a series of outages that we as an industry has suffered because last week, many of you We're experiencing VoIP services down, VoIP.ms and others, Bandwidth.com, only to continue on Sunday. Kaseya, Warranty Master, IT Glue, and then into this week, Intermedia, Passportal, Perfect Law, and many, many more. So, I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg losing $7 billion is like me losing seven. Um, I just don't feel all too bad about him. So you're probably wondering what kind of Florida man story can we have to follow that? Well, not much, but a Florida man who owned two tax preparation companies and used one for legitimate clients and the second to submit fraudulent returns. Damian Barrett of Homestead, Florida filed 745 fake tax returns in 19 different States from 2015 to 2018. He bought 900,000 in fraudulent tax refunds and received over 234,000, 130,000, which came from 
Tom, the Oregon Department of Revenue. <laughs> he had filed 348 state returns there. He had requested oh. 332,000. So, Florida man affecting you up there in Oregon. Hmm. <laughs> How about that? Remind me to check my tax form real carefully. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty enterprising, uh, not just staying in his own state, but branching out. And I guess he thought nobody would be checking in Oregon. Uh, yeah, actually, he might have been right. <laughs> he might have been right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have my own run-ins with the Oregon Department of Revenue, That's, but we won't go to those here. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this new hybrid workplace. Obviously... We are still dealing with the effects of COVID, and a lot of businesses are still not 100% back. I, each, I even had a customer today tell me that they think that they're going to bring staff back at the end of this month, but they're not sure. Oh, boy. And a lot of that is because there are people that are saying, I'm not coming back to work. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure I can work remotely going forward. So – you have a product, Uplevel Systems, that has been working towards that. But before we get into the product, tell me, how has it been for you guys to deal with this new remote workforce? Oh, that actually has been rather interesting. But before I dive into that, I must share with you a, an anecdote from okay. my family side. So this was right during the, the depths of the pandemic, and uh, so my son and I were uh, sitting over the kitchen table discussing, you know, the term of the day, which was social distancing. And, well, I mean, I'm an engineer. You know how engineers are. So we go into social distancing and then all the good stuff. And then he turns and looks at me and gives me this really strange look and goes, Dad, you know, I just thought of something. Ever since I've known you, you've been practicing social distancing. Tell me, <laughs> how has anything changed for you? At that point, I was like, oh, <laughs> so the, the pandemic was actually built for engineers, was it? Wow. <laughs> anyway. So. so now is this something you actually have a word for the day that your family discusses? Is that is this the the homeschooling that you're doing or just something you've done, you know, as a family? Oh, no, just something we uh, did as a family. They took it very seriously in Oregon. So we all stayed home and practiced social distancing. All right. And how old is yeah. the son? Uh, he's about 17, just enough to make such interesting remarks to his dad without actually getting uh, his nose stuck in the corner for it. And, so, he's, and he's probably practicing social distancing, too, at that age. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no. That was, that was why the conversation uh, oh. took place. <laughs> oh, son, it's time for you to get out. That's uh, <laughs> <I'd say. laughs> right. Son. All right. Right. Anyway. Right. So in terms of what we've seen in the workplace, uh, it's uh, now become actually a kind of a hybrid between uh, work from home and work from the office, as you've noticed. So we have we deal with a lot of verticals uh, like medical and dental, for example, are almost completely back at work. Uh, so we had during the pandemic, a lot of dental offices that were flat out closed, just like you said. But, you know, it's really hard to run a dental office if you don't actually have patients. I mean, you can't maintain social distancing uh, and operate in somebody's teeth. And so those uh, verticals are pretty much back at work, educational, vet, uh, vets. In fact, a lot of it, uh, industrial is there. But what we also see is professional uh, organizations is exactly what you say, 50-50. Some of them are, are back. Uh, a lot of them are not. Uh, something we've noticed of late during summer is a ton of consolidations and closings industry. I mean, people uh, people just are retiring, it seems like. There's a lot of businesses that we hear of that were running along quite fine. And then suddenly, I guess the owner just said, you know, I've had enough. I'm closing up. I'm selling out. I'm uh, sending over my stuff to a bigger firm, et cetera. Uh, in some cases, they just left. Mm. So we see a lot of that uh, also happening now. Which is funny because it didn't happen during the pandemic. It's actually happening in summer. I'm this, not sure. This exactly. past summer? Yes, just this last few months. Is it probably an accumulation of trying to survive for a year and just getting to the point where I can't keep doing this? 
uh, that's probably a significant reason why it happened. But uh, my personal theory, again, this could be completely wrong, is that during the pandemic, no one was buying, right? I mean, if you wanted to sell a business during the pandemic, good luck. I mean, you can't even go talk to someone uh, to see if they'd be interested in buying because, hey, you're socially distant. Now, however, the economy is moving up and people are getting back together and people are going, you know, I, uh, I think I could sell and get some decent money for it and I can get out of the rat race. So that's what I believe is going on. Mm, okay. But what that means is a lot of consolidation. So there's businesses. So we see a lot of uh, bigger businesses buying smaller businesses. Uh, and, of course, whenever there's a consolidation, there's usually an IT churn. So if the bigger business shows up, they're probably not using the same equipment, not using the same IT providers. So this is something we're watching very carefully. Yeah, that is that is big because a couple of my clients were almost in that situation where somebody wanted to either merge with them mm-hmm. or buy them. Or I had a client that was trying to buy another company and I have a company that's splitting right now. And as a matter of fact, they're actually still going to stay in business, but they're just splitting off. And so that becomes, I mean, for me, at least in the short term, it's, it's a nice little, you know, bump in the profits. Cause I, I now get income from two moves. Right. But that eventually I'm assuming will become subject to the same consolidation and then uh, you can't double dip anymore or are you expecting that to continue? Well, it'll be interesting because they're trying to figure out how they can do more remotely, which will take away a lot of the infrastructure at the office. So they're both going to be obviously in smaller offices. They may not need as big a network. Um, Mm -hmm. They may actually, I think one of them is looking at trying to have just a small set of admin staff in the office, but everybody else work remote. So I'm not going to have those machines to manage, but I'm going to have those remote devices to manage. Yes. So the dreaded home visits. Well, <laughs> if they let you, if they let you, yes, socially distant. So what we see, uh, I mean, you did ask me a question before uh, the podcast. So what do you see as being the permanent situation going forward? Right. right. So uh, uh, the surprising thing is, uh, I, I mean, for the, uh, uh, at the beginning of this year, I thought, well, OK, we are all facing a brave new world where everyone works remotely. And I'm glad, or maybe not glad, but uh, somewhat uh, surprised to note that there's not really as much work from home as I expected. I mean, it's not a complete decentralized office where every uh, the, the office of one has not come to we still deal with a whole lot of customers who still have uh, 20 or 30 people in their offices coming in every day, not as much as we expected. But we do also notice that the genie is out of the bottle. So what used to be unthinkable before, which was like, uh, you know, you've got to be at the office. If you don't get uh, to the office, you're not going to be promoted. Your boss will never know you exist. You'll get a pay cut, all of this stuff. That has not happened. Right. Bosses have been forced to recognize that, you know, maybe people could work from home and uh, things could happen. And they don't have to keep an eye on everyone all the time. So what we seem, uh, seem to see is this, uh, this peculiar hybrid. There are uh, some people that are working always at the office. But some people actually uh, work from home some days of the week. And uh, this means that exactly what you said, the density of office uh, uh, employees is lower. But the office is still there, hasn't gone away, it hasn't gotten smaller, but the density is, is lower. Another thing that we did notice was suddenly a lot more small businesses were much more accepting of the cloud. Uh, before it used to be cloud, oh my God, security, people are going to steal my data, well, I, I hate dealing with Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Well, work from home showed up and suddenly it's like, well, you know, that server in the office doesn't matter quite so much. And as a consequence, uh, a lot of people started moving things like, uh, you know, QuickBooks Online. Office 365 really seemed to take off. We got a lot more people asking about Office 365 uh, last year. And uh, the other thing that we also discovered was that people seem to be unafraid now to hire outside their immediate region. It used to be that with a small business, you had to, like, hire within, almost within the same zip code so people could travel to the office. Right. 
we don't see uh, that much of an emphasis anymore. It's not unusual now to find someone coming up and going, hey, I've got this uh, new employee, but this employee is uh, like two towns over and we'd like to get them on board. What, what have you got? And so there's much less reluctance to have what I call a, a decentralized office, so to speak. So that's what we've been noticing in our customer base in the last uh, roughly four months. Okay, interesting. So a lot of the same things I've noticed, uh, I have law firms that have branch offices, mm-hmm. and it was always a struggle to how to connect that branch office. We did it before the pandemic, but it was always kicking and pulling and weeping and gnashing of teeth to do so. But of course, the pandemic now has made it to where it's much more acceptable. And now those law firms are thinking of, hey, we can open up more branch offices in different parts of you know the state or the country and not have to fight it so much. So it is it is becoming something that we have to think of much, much more. Yes, particularly in the younger generation of employees. I mean, they are actually quite literally uh, saying, I don't want to move. Uh, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Why can't you figure out a way to get me into your company from where I'm at? Right. And so that's a hard one to uh, counter. Yeah. Commonly, you could just say, hey, I'm sorry, that's the way it is. Everyone's doing it. The answer now is no. We've just seen that it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Let me ask you a question as it relates to security. So one of the battles that I know we're we're all fighting now is that we have to be much more secure. And some of my clients are getting uh, the right, what's the right word? They're getting told <laughs> by either their insurance carriers uh-huh. or their other clients that you have to keep our data safe. And if you're working remotely, you need to make sure that you're using some sort of secure remote access, multi-factor authentication, stuff like that. So that seems to be very much on the rise. Um, how are you seeing security along with those types of requests in this new hybrid workforce? Uh, actually, let's see. Security, uh, I mean, we all know as uh, people in the IT business that our attack surface just got much, much larger, right? Uh, I mean, basically, if you used to be able to build a moat around your office before, you can't. Uh, there's now a tunnel in that moat to every single employee's house. And if you've got 30 employees, then you now have multiplied attack surface by a factor of 30. So we thought this would be something that would cause all businesses to be running around, you know, you know screaming, going, oh, my God, we're, we're dead. But surprisingly, as you and I both well know, it's like, uh, security isn't really uh, top of mind on the small business un- uh, until they get hacked, at which point it becomes the most important thing uh, uh, they can do. Yeah. But th- uh, but what, but your one thing you pointed out, which is very right, which is insurance. Uh, we're noticing that insurance rates are actually going up for MSPs and to a certain extent for uh, businesses like uh, medical, so on. I mean, they are getting pressure, surprisingly, from their insurers because their rates are going up and they're having to answer all these cyber insurance questionnaires that they didn't have to answer before. And so now things, just saying, oh, yeah, I've got 30 uh, employees working from home. I've got my HIPAA uh, stuff, my compliance process in place. Uh, That's not sufficient. I mean, you have to actually now say, uh, what are you doing to uh, keep these employees secure from home? And so far, uh, the answer has just been VPNs or uh, VPNs is multi-factor authentication. But what we are noticing is that uh, it's, it's, you know, it's really hard to uh, demonstrate compliance to a lot of the HIPAA requirements if you have people that are just on their laptops at home. Because one of the things, for example, with HIPAA is the fact that you need to actually be able to uh, track uh, who is being able to access uh, PHI, right? So if you're at home and you have somebody working on the laptop, exactly how do you ensure that the person who is working on the laptop is that person and not the person's teenage son for a start? Uh, even worse, how do you ensure, for example, that uh, when you got a breach, it didn't occur because that person's teenage son had a Xbox that was hacked, which then uh, uh, 
was used to crack your employee's laptop, which then went straight to a VPN into the main clinic, which then caused a breach. And you now, uh, it went right through your IDS IPS because uh, obviously it's encrypted when it came in through the firewall. So this is all starting to raise its, its ugly little head. And we haven't actually found a lot of people that uh, answer any answer beyond, oh, yeah, use a VPN. Well, right. And that's one of the battles we're facing. I did have a risk assessment recently where the consultant told both us and the covered entity that, yeah, having a VPN is good, having multi-factor authentication, good. But what are you doing to ensure that those personal devices have, you know, antivirus and malware protection on them? And the covered entity thank goodness, <laughs> spoke up first so that I wouldn't have to say anything. But they said, well, we're not going to, you know, do anything for their – that's their personal device. They're responsible. Right. And the consultant said, no, if uh -huh. they're connecting to your network, you're responsible. Yes. So that, of course, you know, was news and, and happy news to my ears, but it wasn't happy ears to them because, you know, my solution at the time was – We've now got to put our agent on uh -huh. all those devices, and they're like, well, what if what if somebody doesn't want it on their personal device? Well, you might need to get them a corporate device. So it, that is a whole new world of how are you protecting devices beyond the VPN? And how do you guarantee that it's only the, those protected devices that are being used to access the corporate network? Right. That's an interesting question all by itself because – as you say, a lot of people just prefer to use their personal devices because it's so much more convenient. I mean, you're sitting back on the couch with your own laptop. You're like, okay, well, I need to do some work. It's much better than going in uh, to your backpack, dragging out the corporate laptop, which you probably hate anyway, and then trying to use that. Right. So changing people's behavior is hard. And of course, then at that point, uh, we also got uh, the, uh, I mean, the, question from a lot of our partners like so does this mean that if i start getting into the house i'll now be responsible for everything including why netflix isn't working at 10 o'clock at night and uh, what's happening with my exercise bike it used to work till you put your agent on my of laptop. course yes uh -huh. yeah isn't that amazing and then there was even one case where somebody said well the uh, the power in this building was just out my house was just fine until you put your agent on it and now uh, my uh, AC power isn't working quite so we have the break boxes on it it was the most ludicrous thing but hey you'll get get accused for just for everything mm. but so we were trying to solve that issue yes okay so how much of the information reports are you getting directly from your partners how much from industry research. What's, what do you think the, the numbers are? We generally listen to our partners pretty carefully because uh, there is a lot of stuff we get by, by reading, obviously. But then the, the real feel in the street are our partners. And so we talk to our partners a lot and we ask them questions about, so how are you doing this work from home stuff? Uh, why is this office closing? And very quickly, the answer is, well, the office is closing because uh, all of the people in the office decided just to go home and uh, form a decentralized office. Or, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having a problem with HIPAA compliance and my work from home stuff. All kinds of stuff, yes. All right. Now, along with that, the, the home internet performance has always been a battle. Yes. So that has now magnified itself during COVID. And, you know, people who were saying, well, my Wi-Fi worked just fine until I had to start working from home. Well, okay. Yeah. You started working from home. Your spouse started working from home. Your kids started staying home. <laughs> so. Yep. Oh yes. The other thing that also we noticed was things that used to be ignored before. It was not unusual. I mean, we keep track of internet uh, uh, performance and intermittent connectivity throughout uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, our customers. And so we get a really good view into the, shall we say, dirty laundry of all the ISPs in the country. And so it wasn't very unusual before the pandemic to, you'd see, you know, one minute or two minute uh, internet outages, just enough to cause everyone in the office to stand up and go, hey, is the internet okay? But not enough to cause them to file a ticket with the, uh, the MSP going, my internet is broke. Uh, those didn't matter as long as people were not using Zoom. 
Right. Now we get calls from uh, people who's like a lawyer working from home. Uh, he's doing a deposition uh, for a judge. His internet goes out for three minutes. Well, this is a serious issue because no judge is going to sit there waiting for three minutes of black screen, right? So that uh, what used to be an annoyance at home now becomes a serious uh, job-threatening problem. You're right. This is a problem. I don't, I don't think anyone's actually... Uh, solved it, but I don't think they can solve it without actually doing something like a backup internet connection. Yeah. Now, we've all had Zoom stories. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have any interesting Zoom stories that you've heard uh, over the past year? Uh, interesting Zoom stories, well, apart from the one where we kept getting these calls from the lawyer who ended up with uh, ultimately the backup connection because his judge was not going to put up with him anymore. Uh, there's, there's been, oh yes, uh, we had one work from home situation where her kids could not, uh, uh, go, uh, could not actually uh, get online. And she was convinced it was because of the work from home gateway that, uh, was installed. But then we actually used the, uh, the, the monitoring facilities on the work from home gateway to, uh, run an internet, uh, you know, we have internet bandwidth checks and internet health checks and so on. We ran those things, discovered that actually there was uh, an issue with Comcast, did a quick look up on down detector, said, uh, you might want to call your neighbor. I think your whole neighborhood has Comcast issues. She called her neighbor and uh, we don't, we didn't actually hear back. And then miraculously, eight hours later, the internet was <laughs> fine but because her Zoom was, uh, a kid on the Zoom and being interrupted in school work. Hmm. Uh, we got. We have plenty of those uh, Zoom stories. All right. Well, I do want to get into your work from home appliance, um, but I want to take a quick break right here. Say thank you to some people, and then we're going to go into your new work from home gateway. So, folks, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Podnuts Pro is presented to you by NetAlly. NetAlly handheld wired tools help frontline technicians validate network connectivity in less than 10 seconds. They streamline productivity with simple interfaces for technicians of varying skill levels. They also deliver enterprise-level wireless network tools for designing, deploying, and optimizing wireless LANs for maximized performance, security, and compliance. And folks, I can attest that I know of at least one listener that is now on the NetAlly bandwagon. Terry Moon and I spoke over the weekend. He purchased himself a new Etherscope, and we went over all of the features and tools of that, and he was quite surprised at how much data it gathers, specifically the discovery tool in there. And I will be having a special podcast on the Etherscope later describing how the Etherscope can find everything that is Wi-Fi within your client's network area, so you can tell them what they are competing against. So NetAlly, folks, I will have a link to their site, and if you have any questions about their tools, you can either reach out to NetAlly or to me, and uh, we'll help you get started there. And I do want to give a little special shout-out to Computers Done Right. They are one of our senior support sponsors uh, helping us present this live video tonight. All right, Tom. So I guess it's time now to pimp up-level systems. And, uh, <laughs> Good one, actually, Marvin. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I do have a couple of things. I mean, you've got some new features. You've got a new website. But let's continue this discussion about the, the work-from-home situation here. So you guys, and I remember – Robin and I having chats about this. I think I was on a phone call with her um, in the very beginning to get, you know, a whole list of what would be something that we as MSPs would look for in providing this. And here it is now in flesh out and working a uh, home gateway. So I'm going to basically do a solo screen here. Why don't you show that again and tell us about this appliance. I'm trying to be a, a model, so to speak. Vanna White, there you go. <laughs> right. Okay, well, before I go into this appliance, I do want to show you what the predecessor looks like. You probably, you've definitely seen this. This is the big white box. Yes. And so, I kid you not, we actually, for our first uh, uh, home deployment uh, 
uh, set up. We actually sent that big white box over to several really? uh, houses. Wow. Yes. And had them do a self-install. And so this was a completely unattended self-install by the user. So, I mean, this is, uh, you can imagine this is kind of. Yeah, that's pretty big. Pretty big. It's got a fan in it. So nine Ethernet ports and all that kind of stuff. And they dutifully, to their credit, they actually dutifully uh, installed the darn thing. And it came up, it started working, and everyone was happy, except we started noticing in, in one person's house in particular, the the, th- the gateway would actually go offline every night at uh, 7 o'clock sharp and come back on every morning at 8 o'clock sharp. So, like, oh, what is this? We're not actually uh, intending for this thing to get powered on and off like this. So we called up, and she said, well, it's in my bedroom, and this fan is pretty loud. <laughs> and so I can't really sleep with this thing over here. And so I just have to pull it out or unplug it at night so I can get some sleep. Wow. Okay. We are not going to be, this is not, uh, this may be a temporary experience, but this this now tells us we are, this is not going to fly, guys, anywhere near London. Hence, right. this guy. Right? So what we ended up with was we took all the software features off that large gateway and we put it into a small fanless, hence the giant heatsink on top. Uh, small number of ports, clearly labeled. You can see it's labeled with uh, user or pretty straightforward labels like main internet, auxiliary internet, all that kind of stuff. And really very little beyond here the 12 volt DC power, plug it in, and uh, that's all there is. And Very so nice. this became, I mean, relative to the uh, the main gateway, you can see how, how small it was. But of course, it had to be fanless. And so, yeah, that's hence the, the thing that looks like a giant heatsink. It is a giant heatsink. All right. uh, that went over much, much better with everyone. In fact, uh, the lady who uh, was turning it off every night, uh, we kitted out the rest of her uh, uh co-workers with this one. The co-workers got on the staff meeting and said, well, this, this little box is working great. She said, what little box? Uh, they said, yes, this little box, which is nice black. I've got a big white box. I already showed off. She called us up and said, can we have that uh, that little black box? And he said, of course. And he sent her a replacement. She's been happy as a climb ever since. The only funny story I have about this particular little box is that it is a little warm. And so one of our, uh, uh, the, uh, the same firm's employees uh, Happened to have, I think it was a three-year-old daughter, who picked it up. Said, "Hmm, it's it's nice and warm." So what she did was, I, I bet it's uh, it's sick. So she put a blanket over it. Oh. And that, uh, well, we didn't know about it. Neither did the employee. And then a temperature alarm went off in our monitoring system. It sent us a little alarm going, "Hey, uh, over temp." Like what? So we sent her emails. Uh, she said, oh, yeah, my daughter put a blanket over it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. wow. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be friendly, but I did not realize that three-year-olds would find this uh, a plaything. Oh, it's kind of funny that she was trying to tend to its needs yes. and uh, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Oh. So, anyway. so that box uh-huh. has all of the same features and functionality as the big white box. As a big white box, uh, it uh, is missing one thing, which is storage. So it doesn't have any storage. Okay. The big white box has a terabyte of storage or five terabytes. But for the home use, uh, all your data is either in the cloud or at, uh, at work. You're not going to want local storage, particularly in an insecure environment like the home. Right. So this uh, has all the security stuff. It has the Wi-Fi controllers, all the VPN stuff. Uh, it has remote management, as I mean, you know, temp alarms, that kind of stuff. It uh, actually dials into the gateway as soon as you install it, which is where the self-install comes in. So we can actually have the employee go in there. We've got a little one-pager, you know, very simple uh, sheet that is designed for the employee and says, plug this cable on here, plug this into your internet uh, uh, device. Uh, Your Wi-Fi router is what we call it. And then... uh, uh, you are done. Uh, basically, it's like three cables in your set. So this is the solution that if you want to get a secure connection from home to the office, this is what gets sent out to the employee. And you said Correct. that it, it automatically dials back to the main gateway. 
So right. how is that all done? Is that something that is pre-configured by you? Is it pre-configured by the MSP? How does that work? Uh, that's actually pre-configured by the MSP. So the okay. MSP merely uh, says, I've got this uh, this little box. I want this to connect up to uh, the main gateway and uh, is a one-click VPN setup. So he just clicks on that thing and says, okay, we're done. And so what happens at that point is the configuration is all, all of our configuration is stored in the cloud anyway. So it is, as soon as the employee plugs it in, it reports to the cloud, uh, pops up green on the MSP's dashboard, and then downloads the config that is used at the office. One of the things we wanted to make sure was that the Wi-Fi profile that is used on the laptop at home should be the same as the Wi-Fi profile used in the main office. That way, there's no, like, I have to use one profile at the main office, one at home, which is inconvenient. Also, it's a potential security issue, right? I mean, so if you start having the Wi-Fi profile being different at home, then nothing prevents the employee from plugging that into their iPad, which is not monitored, as opposed to the corporate laptop, which is. Okay. So it basically uses the exact same Wi-Fi profile when the employee goes home, uh, it pops up and uh, the employee is connected. All right. Now that box itself doesn't look like it has Wi-Fi built in. It does not. Uh, there was an option to have Wi-Fi antennas, and uh, but we gave it a try and it's like, this is the world's worst Wi-Fi. You cannot actually put... Uh, something effective into a, a box like this with two antennas. I mean, I used to be a Wi-Fi guy uh, from back in 2002. So you no. can't, you cannot put two antennas at this distance apart or even this distance, distance apart next to a large chunk of metal and get any performance. Okay. So what we do uh, is we just send them a, uh, uh, I mean, our standard access code. And they essentially just plug in the AP. And this has actually proven to be quite, handy now and then because this black box sometimes gets thrown under the table next to their existing uh, broadband router. And then we say, okay, take this one, which is uh, white and blends in with the decor, move it over to the bookshelf. And that way you get much better Wi-Fi rather than trying to figure out how to get a signal from underneath the table. Okay. All right. And without getting into the details of price, I mean, is this a, a hugely pricely option for, uh, for home networks? Uh, it's actually priced to be about half of what a regular gateway would be. Okay. And it's all subscription. And uh, that is another thing that we found the uh, uh, end users, oh, sorry, the, the customers uh, actually appreciated because if they ended up buying, for example, they bought 30 employees. Let's say they bought a regular enterprise class firewall for 30 employees. They send the regular enterprise class firewall 230 employees' houses, now basically what they have is a very large amount of capital expense tied up in employees' houses, which uh, may or may not actually come back. So, however, the subscription model works a lot better because, okay, this is uh, certainly uh, cheaper. But the fact is that it's on an OPEX model, and so they are much less hesitant to uh, listen to their uh, their uh, MSP's recommendation that they need one of these things in every employee's house. Because if it's on a subscription basis, then the overall cost to them is much less, or the risk to them is much less. Right. Now, I admit the risk to us is much more, but then that's part of the cost of doing business. Yeah, but if we're doing our jobs right, you know, we're going to put them in and uh, use them. And then, of course, if we, you know, drop somebody off, you know, we have it available for somebody else in the office. So, yes. It is not unusual to require that the employee uh, return their laptop, uh, corporate-issued laptop, in order to get their last paycheck. And so now it just becomes return the corporate-issued laptop and uh, this uh, device. Right. Uh, similarly, for cases like accountants, we have large seasonal variations. This subscription model is actually very effective because no nobody, particularly an accountant, I mean, hey, bean counters, they, they count the beans. Nobody wants to go and say, I've got 30 employees, but during tax time, I'm going to have 60. Okay, I'm going to buy 60 uh, full-size or uh, 60 uh, gateways. Instead, what they do is they just uh, say, okay, uh, most of the time I need 30. For 60, I'm going to, uh, I mean, during tax time, I'm just going to have you uh, put in 60 uh, devices on a month-to-month basis. And then... Are we as an MSP able to send those back to you? Yes. Okay. That's right. I mean, it's a monthly subscription. So, hey, uh, it's... Uh, All right. Now, here's the question that I think a lot of people would ask. If you're putting this in people's home, mm-hmm. does this affect all of the other devices 
in the home? Ah, that is actually a very interesting question that we had to, we were actually trying to sort out. So one thing we uh, we determined very quickly was that if we actually change their existing setup in any way, this is really bad. So, for example, sending them out a new router to replace their existing Linksys that they've fallen in love with, that is very bad. Because at that point, you'll get blamed for everything. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to do that. So uh, trying to get in between their uh, router and their uh, uh, ISP modem, that's bad too. Because again, uh, you get blamed for, for something. As long as it involves changing the exact actual network, you're going to get blamed. So what this does instead is it plugs into a spare port on the, the ISP router. And so our response, uh, whenever they there was an issue like, hey, your box has uh, messed up my TV, the response was very straightforward. Hey, unplug the box. So they unplug the box. Ew, funny, the TV is still messed up. Can't be our box. Okay, well, you know, you need to call Comcast. <laughs> and then they call Comcast, and yep, there is something wrong with this. Okay, now plug the box back in so you can get back to work. And that, it turned out to be actually quite good. So what this does is uh, actually act as a tandem firewall uh, behind their existing home firewall without touching their... Uh, uh, their existing network in any way. And then when they want to access the corporate resources, they uh, will access this either through the wire port, that's where the local one, local two comes in, okay. or through the Wi-Fi. Most of them is Wi-Fi. Right. And so uh, what that then allows us to do is to make sure that, for example, uh, they can't access the corporate resources from their house by uh, the MSP solder very simply. You just disabled the, the remote access VPN. What this box does is uh, as soon as you plug it in, it establishes a nailed up VPN tunnel from uh, the home to the office. And then from then on, the only way you can access the corporate uh, resources is using your Wi-Fi profile on your corporate laptop attached to the Wi-Fi. All right. So this is going to tunnel through whatever router gateway system you have, whatever provider they have. It's just going to tunnel through back to the office. It, it's a call out. So it uses SSL. So if by definition, if a, 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 an ISP modem does not admit SSL, it is broken because no, you can't even uh, surf the web through it. So since it uses SSL, it just turns right through and off you go. All right. That uh, looks like that's going to turn out to be a nice little device and uh, should be quite handy in this new hybrid workforce. We're hoping. Thank you. Right. So let's see here. Oh, we're moving right along. So let's get to a couple of the other announcements. Now, I know that you guys mentioned that uh, you've changed the website. It's all new and stuff. So uh, I'm going to bring this up right now so anybody watching live can see. But, of course, if you are uh, watching later, you'll just want to head over to uplevelsystems.com, and that will take you to the site. So what is – just from a quick cursory view, what's uh, what's new on the website that we should tell people about? Oh, uh, so for example, I mean, we actually kept most of the content, but we had a strong focus on our new products. So, for example, the work from anywhere. So, the work from home uh, stuff is right there. Yep, there it is. On the, uh, so you see all that. Yeah. We also wanted to provide more information for people uh, that uh, were looking for, you know, okay, this is great, but what does it actually do? All right. All right. So here's now more details about what it does in, I mean, what the specifications are and so on. Uh, we also uh, wanted to make our uh, partner resources page a bit more friendly. So if you go to the partners page, you'll notice that uh, uh, it's, it has actually got partner resources, which are now categorized and uh, you know, sorted out and has all uh, the stuff okay. easier to, to so access. So there's a bunch of different things. Yep, all the release notes and guides. So this is, yep. uh, you're not hiding all of this behind some little partner support portal. No, no. I mean, uh, heck, if uh, anyone we compete with wants to go through our release notes, uh, if they've got nothing better to do, well, hey, go out to them. Have okay. And if you, if you go through that and you can tell us something that you believe we're missing or that something is wrong, please let us know. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so there's the releases, branding package even, discover, uh, let's see, disaster recovery kit, uh, HIPAA compliance, a couple of documents there. So very nice and open to everybody and even sales materials. Yeah, I mean, our partners are in the business of, you know, selling to the customers, making money. We try to make things 
to put as as few obstacles between uh, partners and making money as we possibly can. All right. I'm going to run back out to the main page here. I want to make sure we hit this before we end off. So serverless active directory. Yes. So that is something. Oh, that is, by the way, not on the little guy, because I don't know of any partner who would actually even dream of running an AD server in an employee's house. But it is on the. No, but running it at an office, I know that that was one of the things for me. Um, you've always had some sort of directory service in the previous models. Um, but what makes this new version better? Oh, in terms of, yes. So one thing that we did do to the directory services was make it multi-site. Again, work from home, right? So if uh, if you have an AD uh, set up at your office, you should be able to go home and essentially log into the same domain, the same way, without act, doing any changes uh, when you're working from home. And similarly, if you have a decentralized office, like, uh, you know, you have, you have a five-site medical clinic. This is an actual customer of ours. Then if you have a uh, main office with the, the domain controller right there, you should be able to seamlessly have all of your remote offices uh, be able to join the domain uh, without having to do any special things on the part of the partner or the customer. And so that's what we ended up doing with our AD uh, in over the course of the last uh, few months. This has actually paid off quite a bit because there's a lot of people now, I mean, the office of one that I mentioned, this is starting to get more and more widespread. And it is a pain in the neck to try and get VPN-based AD uh, joins all working nicely, seamlessly uh, all the time. And uh, with with the combination of uh, the, the, the work from home box and the big box, that becomes seamless. Okay. And this is closer to Active Directory. So it's, you know, a domain fully compatible with, you know, professional, Windows professional. Yes. Uh, now it supports up to 99 users with no yep. per seat licensing. Nope. So no cows. No cows. <laughs> None whatsoever. We have in our entire, uh, uh, you know, cost model, there are, there are no per anything uh, charges. So you don't count the number of users and say, okay, I need to buy five more VPN licenses. We actually have some partners over 280 VPN accounts sitting on uh, one of our, uh, one customer and it doesn't cost them any more. Wow. No uh, user per user licenses for AD. No uh, per user license uh, per device license for firewall. I mean, those things just add friction. Yeah, they do. All right, and then there's uh, something else I want to notice: access to more comprehensive functionality using the Microsoft Remote Server Administration tool. So literally, we can download the Microsoft tool and make yeah. changes on this on this. Uh, on your up-level appliance. Correct. Actually, we do have partners doing exactly that. So, for example, uh, there's a partner who wanted to implement, actually, several partners who want to implement roaming profiles uh, and uh, fine-grained permissions on the uh, 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 the files stored in the server. So what they did uh, was simply download RSET, I mean, Remote Server Administration tool, load it up on a local uh, Windows Pro machine, and set up roaming profiles just the way you would set up roaming profiles in uh, Windows Server. So that meant that whenever uh, someone at this healthcare organization walked from uh, workstation to workstation, they could just log in and they would see their desktop and their documents exactly the way they would see in a normal Windows Server. Very nice. Very nice. And it looks like one of our listeners, John Reed, uh, basically put in the chat here, that is what we are setting up with this up level. So... Uh, setting up the serverless oh, yeah. Active Directory, so very nice. Oh, hello, John. I didn't notice that you're uh, you're on. I think he put in the chat earlier, "Small World." So I oh, guess wow. you, I guess you and Tom have chatted, huh? Yes, he's. Uh, uh, I uh, I think we have. All right. Okay, so I also had up the uh, join the MSP program. I'll just quickly. Um, add this to the banner and to the show notes. We'll have a link there. So if you want to consider getting an appliance, uh, just head over to uplevelsystems.com, join the MSP program, get yourself a demo. And you guys are very, you guys are very gracious with your demos. We are. 
Well, with me anyway, I, I, I think I got one. I think the first one was 30 days. Um, I don't know. Three months. Three months, nine months, three or 90 days, huh? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Hey, I've had the demos where the, uh, I get something from the vendor. They say, you got two weeks to check it out. I'm going, um, it'll be two weeks before I even get enough time together to unpack it for the box guys. Uh, so, you know, we're all busy people, particularly our MSPs. Yeah. You're going to give them enough time to actually check it out. They're, they're betting their business on this. They should give it a vote. Well, I appreciate that because I know that a lot of times we get 10 days, 15 days, and that's not enough time. I mean, we, right. we're too busy doing the rest of our work. So Yes, exactly. I can't, no, <laughs> I, can't, I can't spend a Saturday and Sunday, you know, trying a tool, especially during football season. So <laughs> This is true. All right. Um, So we're coming up on the top of the hour here. You're going to uh, hang out with us after if there's any uh, people wanting to ask any additional questions in the post show, correct? Absolutely. All right, John, uh, hopefully you'll stay and tell us exactly how you're using the appliance there. And let's Uh, see, is there anything else coming up here? Any other news or announcements uh, on the roadmap there? Oh, for us? Uh, yes. So we are coming up with a few additional things this coming quarter. So Wi-Fi 6 is big on the horizon for us. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I used to be on the IEEE.11 standards committee, for, and I made a, a vow uh, on seeing all the stuff at the standards committee that I would never uh, release a, a Wi-Fi product until it was actually ratified by the standards committee. Well, that happened in February of this year. And so then at that point, we got busy, uh, including Wi-Fi 6 into a product. So we are planning on having that before the end of the year. Uh, there's also a higher performance gateway that we are uh, bringing out. So uh, we have, I mean, the existing gateway is rated for like 99 users in Active Directory, but now we are being used in larger and larger uh, customers. So like a largest customer is like 800 users. Mm. And so we are looking for a gateway that can simultaneously handle like 250 or so uh, uh, Active Directory uh, logins. And so that's, you know, uh, definitely higher power. And faster IDS, IPS, VPN, all that sort of stuff uh, together. So that's uh, also on the roadmap for the rest of this year. Okay. Uh, Something interesting is our AD integration with uh, Azure. So a lot of people really want single sign-on with Office 365. Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. All that stuff. So one of the things we have demonstrated in the lab is using Azure AD Connect to essentially sync our domain with an Azure AD domain to enable O365 uh, single sign-on. That'll be now, nice. That's in the lab. That's in the lab. So, hey, I, I'm going to get my hand slapped for letting it out. But we plan to bring that out as a product in uh, the next few months. Hey, if that comes out, that'll be nice. I know a lot of people... A lot of people are waiting for that. Let me go back and ask you on the Wi-Fi 6. So uh, so I use another product, sorry to say, for my wireless access. And Wi-Fi 6, it's like three to six months in terms of getting those access points. So are you guys actively sending out product now or are you manufacturing it and it's going to be coming out later? What's Where, where are you at with the Wi-Fi 6? Uh, we are actually doing the uh, uh, development and integration work at the moment. Okay. So it's not uh, it's not a release product by any uh, stretch of the imagination. We're just uh, basically working on the engineering side. Okay. And there's a lot of engineering uh, integration and qualification to be done before we can call it a release product. But uh, I, you, I, uh, I'm not sure whether you're referring to supply chain issues, are you? Well, yes and no. <laughs> oh, yes. Because a lot of people – so. What's happened is so Wi-Fi six. Some companies are just saying we're not going to make any more Wi-Fi five products. Wi-Fi, yes. So they have just basically whatever's out there is out there, and so uh-huh. obviously with the supply chain issues, uh, the manufacturing slowdown. Obviously, they couldn't make Wi-Fi six products fast enough. So that's why right. I asked you if if you had any actually um, on the shelf per se, but not many do. No. Uh, again, that's probably a, a good, I mean, again, hindsight is great. Uh, it's probably a good reason not to have Wi-Fi 6 early in the year because it just basically set everyone up for a lot of disappointment. 
but uh, uh, we foresee uh, we keep a very close uh, eye on our supply chain and we have some uh, people on our board that are past masters at doing that so they help us a lot and yes yeah, supply chain is a huge issue but at the same time it can be managed and so we are uh, managing it we have so far never left any of our partners high and dry i mean when they call to uh, for equipment we have equipment and uh, we plan to do exactly the same thing for wi-fi 6 so we have a good relationship with our suppliers all right good to hear all right. So, Tom, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, folks, for listening. We have come to the part of the show, and I don't know if you prepared for it, Florida no. man or random question. So do you have a story of an Oregon man that you think would be able to challenge our Florida man, or would you rather just answer a random question? <laughs> I don't know of any Oregon man that uh, would challenge the Florida man. So I think I'll answer the random question. Thank you. All right. And, of course, you know, how could you when Florida man took part of your Oregon man story, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's pull up our two random generator questions. Oh, this will be interesting. Uh-huh. When you're by yourself, what do you usually think about? Oh, well, I give you the the nerdy geeky answer. I think about Wi-Fi 6. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that can't be right. That is Yes. <laughs> well, okay, don't talk to my wife. She probably would say, "Oh, yeah, that's her." That's that's her say, can't say that at home. <laughs> right. Uh, when I'm by myself, what do I think about? Well, one of the things that crosses my mind is, how do I get out of feeding the horses this evening? Because, I mean, we have a bar full of horses, and uh, sometimes it falls upon me to go give them their hay. And trust me, feeding uh, horses, uh, there's nothing that eats like a horse. All right. So I wasn't going to ask any horse questions, but now I have to. Oh, yeah, I left you the opening. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have horses because you ride and like them? Do you have horses because you're breeding and selling? Do you just like a farm and needed to have some animals? How did the horse thing come about? Uh, well, I have horses because I have a wife who's horse crazy and a daughter who's horse crazy. Okay. However, I discovered I've ridden a horse exactly once in my life. Really? That was when I was attempting to get my wife to marry me. <laughs> and so once that job was accomplished, there was no further loss because I just <laughs> no need, no need anymore. <laughs> we're done, we're done. So I discovered very quickly that the horse has two ends: the front end bites, and the back end kicks. And so as long as you stay somewhere in the middle, you're safe. Now, again, I'm, I don't think my wife's going to be watching this podcast; otherwise, I'd be a dead man. But, but the reason we have horses is because yes, my wife breeds horses, my wife shows horses, and my wife sells horses. Oh. And so we. I have quite a number of horses. And Oregon, you know, is a place where there's lots of horse farms. Nice. All right. It's interesting. It's a good place to raise children. All right. I will leave it at that and keep you from getting in trouble. And let's keep the wives happy, right? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Definitely. That's what I think about. uh, (laughs) (laughs) When I'm by myself. (laughs) How can I stay out of trouble the next time I see her? That's it. That's it. No, no, I'm supposed to say keeping the wife happy, not how can I stay out of trouble. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, dear. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll get a text as soon as uh, she hears that. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is true. All right, Tom, it was good to have you back on the show. And uh, we'll obviously, we'll look to have you back on again. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Alexander, CEO, Chief Bottle Washer at Uplevel Systems. And we have talked about the UG204 Home Gateway which uh, is going to be a game changer in this hybrid workforce going forward. So uh, head over to uplevelsystems.com, get some more information. If you're not a partner already, sign up for a demo. 90 days you get to try it. That is that is unheard of in this industry. All right, and join us every Wednesday night as much as possible for another episode of PodNuts Pro. Uh, let's see next week. I should have had my calendar up to tell you who next week's guest is. 
and this won't sound as bad on the playback, but who are we having next week? Oh, I think I have a surprise guest, so I'm going to leave that here. So sorry to have thrown that teaser out and then pull it back, but uh, surprise guest for next week's podcast. Two weeks, I will be in Orlando for the ASCII Summit that will be held. I will be joined by another Florida man, Mike Smith. So you will see some podcast from Orlando as we do ASCII Live there. So if you are in or around the Orlando area and can get there and want to see us there, that is Wednesday and Thursday, October 27th and 28th at the Hilton International at SeaWorld, the ASCII Summit, and it is a fantastic event. That is going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening, watching, enjoying. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcatcher if you're not watching live, and we will see you again next week. Until then, holla.